Hey, Dan, how are you? Hey, my man, buddy. Glad to be here with you right now for another great Let's Talk edition of Beyond the Present podcast and Life is Wonderful. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Um, uh, I hope uh, you've been holding up well, doing well. I hear that your, um, your activities are, uh, you know, ramping up. You're doing the online activities more and more these days. How are of things course, going? Well, uh, you know, right now, fortunately, I heard some good news in the uh, European Union, actually, that apparently uh, by May 12th, uh, they are going to actually uh, gradually take the measures necessary to open up basically uh, the place. And that's very, uh, of course, good. And uh, we like this. But other than that, there's this issue of what they're going to do afterwards and what measures they will take. So I heard, for example, in Vienna right now, uh, they have taken this measure where uh, they will allow anyone to travel to Vienna. Uh, but at the same time, they will take a test at the airport. And mm -hmm. if you have any problem, of course, they will actually uh, somehow remove that and they will not allow you to actually either enter the country or if you enter, you have to actually stay in quarantine for two weeks. So mm -hmm. these are, I think, very good measures that are now currently being taken, which I think are productive to resume tourism and international business because I work in this field. And for me, that's very, very important. So that's good news. But of course, in some other countries, things are going a little bit uh, worse. So I actually left Russia and Things got really bad in Russia. Of course, now it's at its worst right now. So we'll see how it goes. New York is still recovering. Things are very tough in New York right now, or the worst place hit basically by the virus. But globally, I think uh, things were a little bit better than we thought. So hopefully, the world can you know somehow get used to the virus and the pandemic, and hopefully uh, they will uh, return to normal. Not of course the normal that we've always wanted, but something similar to that, which will then allow us to resume business activities. But for now, as you already mentioned, uh, I actually realized that going online and doing a lot of meetings online actually save a lot of time. So I'm pretty sure that long after this uh, quarantine is over, I will maintain a lot of my activities online. Not only this is, uh, I think, a great chance for all of us to do that because it'll reduce the carbon footprint uh, basically that we have on the planet, which will then hopefully help with the global warming issue. But at the same time, it saves a lot of time. And now it's actually culturally acceptable because... In the past, of course, if I wanted to go to a business meeting, I'm sure it was like a top-level meeting, it was much better to actually be in person mm. and all dressed up and all that stuff. Uh, but nowadays, it's quite common to see various uh, senior executives conducting their meetings online at home, basically. Mm. And this is, I think, going to be a, a great change in the future that will allow us to conduct a lot of these meetings online and save a lot of time and reduce the carbon footprint to the planet. Yeah, that's great. I think um, uh, there are going to be some positives coming out of this. And I agree, this is, this is going to be a silver lining that we never paid attention to this aspect of technology. Very um, well. And by the way, how are things in Canada right now? Well, they've been steady. I mean, uh, the, it seems that the, the control measures have been well uh, responding to the, uh, the virus and everything is being uh, quite steady. There's no amount of rise in number of cases in each day. Uh, in fact, they're slightly decreasing, not so much visibly, but, um, and, and Canada has two sides, basically East Coast and West Coast for the most part. The middle part is very uh, red, uh, scarcely populated. So it really also depends on which part of the country we're talking about. But generally, so right now, the French speaking part is the worst hit or the English speaking part, which part? Uh, well, the East part, which is both uh, Quebec and Ontario and the rest of the uh, provinces are, are uh, having, I think, I believe more than half of the uh, cases and more than half That's of right. the uh, statistics basically lies on the East Coast of it. But the West Coast is also um, affected um, 
very much, like places like Vancouver. Um, but anywhere in the middle, I actually don't know much, but I wouldn't <clears throat> be surprised that it's not really that bad because it's very scarcely populated and there's not mm -hmm. much, uh, you know, travel to those countries, uh, to those cities and provinces for the most very part. Nice. But yeah, for the most part, I think it's uh, contained to major cities in, in the uh, in Canada, which is uh, which is reasonable. I think that makes sense. And um, again, it's not too too bad. The again, the control measures had a part in it, of course. But um, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That's right. It's a new way of living, of course. We have to get used yeah. to it and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's ad adapting ourselves to it. Now, for the topic right. of today, I mean, we had to address you know how things are going in general, but this topic has nothing to do with what we've been talking about for the past four minutes right. or so. Um, so today we're talking about uh, rewarding and punishing bad and good behavior. Uh, so obviously rewarding the good behaviors and punishing the bad behaviors and different, different aspects of our lives. Now, first of all, uh, now one would ask, uh, okay, so I think they're self-explanatory what they are. Rewarding a good behavior being you reward somebody who Again, so th this is subjective because we're talking about rewarding a good behavior ourselves. So I guess who who's the judge of the good behavior it would be me who wants to reward it, of course. But in general, we can also talk about it. Um, so one thing is that identifying good and bad behavior. Uh, so how do you uh, personally in your life, uh, or you think it should be collectively, uh, decided and judged? What is a good behavior and what is a bad behavior? Interesting. Great question. You see, when it comes to determining exactly what it means to uh, consider one behavior to be right or wrong, you should first have a clear, what we call compass. And every one of us, of course, we live by different value systems. You know, in NLP, we say the map is not the territory. So we all have different maps of reality. And it's not the reality as it is, but the map of reality. And because of this, we create a certain story and narrative that we call our lives. And in that narrative, there are certain things that we like more of and certain things we like less of. And this, of course, creates the dynamics of the right or wrong. Now, as you probably know, I'm not a huge fan of black and white thinking. That is yeah. evil versus good and all of those things, because that's a more old school approach towards making decisions and, yeah. as well as management. But in reality speaking, still, there are clear boundaries for all of us. And if you don't have any boundary, you probably do not have a very strong character and personality because everybody who has a clear path in life then they, uh, they know which action leads to that and which uh, gets you away from it. So I believe that every single one of us, in order for us to fully clarify what it means to have uh, the right and the wrong in our uh, basically behavior is to know where we're going. So you have to have a clear set of goals, which we call you know, the what to do, and also a series of values, which we call why, basically, and for the purpose. So once you have certain goals, as well as certain values, then of course you can know whether or not this behavior that is done by yourself, because again, uh, when we're talking like punishing bad behavior, it isn't just about other people. Sometimes we have to punish our own bad behavior by ch you know, changing basically our action and of course facing with the consequences of our uh, decisions. So basically, uh, once you know exactly what you want, that is what your goals are, and once you know what your values are, what are the important things in life that you will not compromise, then it becomes a lot easier to know what is right or wrong. Because in that case, you know that anything that will lead to me obtaining my goals while uh, basically maintaining my values, that is basically uh, a good thing. And whatever uh, prevents that from happening, whatever uh, prevents me from uh, basically obtaining my goal or uh, maintaining my values, of course, will be bad. Now, then you have now a compass. 
you know what where your north is. Uh, Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talks about this, know your north star. Once you know your north star, then whatever takes you to south, east, or west will become obviously wrong. Now, the degree to which that this will move. So if something is taken towards northeast, will be a lot less uh, severe than somebody brings you to south, right? So because of this, you need to change your uh, approach in each of these situations. So the way you respond to something that perhaps, um, um, let's say, mitigates the likelihood of achieving your goals is one thing, but something actually stands against all your core values, that's perhaps something you have to face with a lot more uh, assertively. So ultimately, by knowing these two things, you know exactly what is right or what is wrong, and then it becomes a lot easier to make a decision whether to do uh, basically this or that, or whether to punish the behavior or to reward it. Yeah, that, that's great. I, uh, I completely relate to that. So that, now let's stick with the personal aspect of it. How do you punish and reward yourself and your own behaviors and decisions? Uh, so do you, have a, do you have a measure? Can you give us some examples of how you personally uh, punish or reward your own behaviors? Well, you see, ultimately speaking, I believe that we are living a life trying to obtain as much happiness as possible. And I think the number one punishment for ourselves is that sense of loss of self-esteem, self-confidence, and, and self-respect. For example, let's say you are, you're trying to lose weight, and mm -hmm. then you somehow cannot resist it, and you just go ahead and you start having a lot of, let's say, chocolate cakes or something, right? Yeah. Now, the punishment is right there by how you feel afterwards. I mean, when was the mm -hmm. last time, for example, you told yourself, I'm gonna do something, then you somehow got a little bit lazy, didn't do it, and you felt good afterwards. It's very rare. So yeah. I think when it comes to personal punishment, usually uh, there, uh, it's the consequence of your decision that actually make you feel worse. However, also, those who want to take a more proactive approach, they literally make the punishment by doing certain things. For example, I will do, for example, extra push-ups because of this. Or I will perhaps go to work by, I don't know, uh, for example, the subway instead of driving my car. Or as sometimes some you know, therapists use, actually they uh, carry a uh, basically elastic band on their wrists. And like whenever like, boom, they actually hit them something like this as a means of conditioning yourself. Why is this? Because if you don't condition yourself to feel bad when you make a wrong decision, then you will have a tendency to repeat that behavior. So the reason that I believe in self-punishment is because it allows you and it trains your brain to link pain towards that behavior. And by doing so, eventually your brain learns, okay, this is bad, and it'll avoid it. Because your brain is designed to avoid what leads to pain and to do what leads to pleasure. That's like the basic wiring of our brain. So by punishing yourself, you're, in a sense, linking pain. So, for example, by going on a diet uh, that you don't like. For example, I don't like, let's say, vegetarian food, so I'm going to go on a vegetarian diet for three days because I did something wrong, for example, right? Now, this process will then train my brain, you see, if you do this, there'll be pain. Now. Not everybody, of course, has necessarily the desire to punish themselves. So what they do often is to feel depressed or negative. But that, I think, is a more passive approach, which I don't like. I like the more active approach towards life. And that's what we call uh, self-punishment or simply uh, negative conditioning. So when things are going wrong, when you're doing the wrong things, you condition uh, yourself to feel pain in that case. And that will then train your brain to avoid that behavior mm -hmm. at all costs, basically. And this could be done in a variety of ways. For those who, for example, uh, decided to quit smoking, but then got back to smoking, they can actually do the same thing. Those who wanted to go on diet and they broke that, they can actually do the same thing to somehow get themselves back on track and to link pain uh, towards their behavior. And that's called self-punishment. Right. No, that's great. And um, it makes a lot of sense, obviously. And you're right. Different people have different approaches about this, uh, whether passive or, or active. It seems that mostly people tend to uh, 
if they're doing any kind of punishment to hinge on the passive, uh, you are uh, one of the people who are, who, as you said, like the more active approach. And I think one other person that comes to mind when you mentioned push-ups, extra push-ups, it reminded me of Jocko Willings. So I think he likes the <laughs> more That's active right. approach. So why do you think, uh, why do you like the active approach more? What, what about it is uh, interesting to you? You see, I really believe that life is just too short to be wasted on negativity, on passivity, on you know feeling bad about yourself, feeling down, right? You see, life is a journey, and this journey is going to take us through a lot of adventures and, of course, a lot of ups and downs. And I believe in the fact that to err is human. That is, it's quite normal for a person to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Everybody, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone. This, this is kind of like, you know, it's not like about this person or that person. Everybody makes mistakes. Now, some make a little bit more, some a little bit less, but everybody makes mistakes. And because of this, uh, once you somehow learn to uh, uh, take a more proactive approach, you are coming from what we call a growth mindset. You see, we have two major approaches towards thinking, the growth mindset and the basically fixed mindset. Now, this, of course, is dis uh, discussed in depth, uh, basically by a variety of research that is done in psychology. But in reality, people who have a growth mindset believe that they can become something more. That if I make a mistake, I am not the mistake. The mistake is what I did. So the behavior was wrong, and I can always change my behavior to do the right thing. And this growth mindset, therefore, prevents them from feeling down. Because somebody with a fixed mindset, when they make a mistake, or imagine, for example, a boss comes in, and says, I asked you this right now, because of this, you have no pay for one month, or I will fire you, for example. So a person with a fixed mindset will say, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. Why did I do that? I'm good for nothing. And they come from a point of view that if I made a uh, basically a mistake, or if I failed, then I am a failure. And that's, of course, quite wrong. Because when you make a mistake, or when you fail, you are not the mistake. You're not the failure. You're just the person who did that. So the behavior was wrong, basically, right? So ultimately, a more active approach in life uh, allows you to tap into that you know, growth mindset to understand that, yes, I'm a human being. I can make mistakes. I could be wrong. And at the same time, I can always learn from my mistakes and move on. And that's, of course, the success method. All successes in, around the world in every field are major failures. I have not seen a single successful person who was not a major failure for a long period of his or her time. You look at all top people in every field. They've been like failure, 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 loser, loser, failure, boom, major success. Wow, this guy was so lucky. No, that's not the case. So this is basically life in that all successes are failures. That is failures temporarily. So they fail, they make a mistake, they learn from it, they adjust, and they try again. They fail again, they try again, they, and they keep this up until, boom, after about a couple of years, they make it, and people call them, wow, this guy is so lucky. No, he's not lucky. No, she's not lucky. They learn from their mistakes they, without losing hope, and they kept trying again. They change their approach a little bit and try it again. So once you have this active approach, then, of course, it becomes a lot easier to remove that negativity because I really believe that happiness should be the major you know, target in life. Everything we do in life should make us happy. Now. Don't confuse happiness with pleasure or comfort. Because in a lot of the times, in order to be happier, you should actually avoid comfort or pleasure. There are times where you have to make a sacrifice to achieve your goals. There are times where you have to tolerate some pain, some ailments, some difficulties, and overcome them. So 
Happiness, by the way, when I say happiness is target, I'm not talking about like smoking pot and drinking all day long and having fun in front of TV. No, that's not happiness. That's called a loser lifestyle. What I'm talking about here is true, genuine happiness. That feeling that you feel good about yourself, about your life, and you feel like your life is going somewhere, you see? And that, of course, sometimes re requires you to not to be comfort uh, comfortable, to not to have pleasure temporarily. We call this, you know, uh, somehow postponing uh, the gratification, uh, uh, basically to a later date, uh, in order to achieve your goals. Uh, but of course, uh, we're not like monks. So it, of course, involves certain degrees of, uh, you know, pleasure and comfort at some point, but it's not all about that. So uh, once you make happiness the target, then of course you realize it's a journey. And in this journey can actually keep learning from your mistakes. And this allows you not to feel down by your mistakes. And that act of self-punishment is nothing more than self-education. You're saying, this is wrong. This makes me feel bad. Let's not do it again. And of course, it's a lot you know, more efficient, I think. Yeah, no, that, no, that's great. And uh, first, I think the first step is the admission of that uh, mistake. Uh, that, okay, I made a mistake. Not to find excuses uh, about, oh, this wasn't a, this was out of my hand. I couldn't do anything about it. Blah, blah, blah. So I, I guess the first step would be to actually accept your mistake. And then exactly. what you said comes forth. Now, that is personal um, uh, yeah, rewarding and punishment of your own behavior. Now, when it goes out to the world, it becomes a little bit more hairy. It has a lot of details about it because there's a third party with lots of misunderstandings and communication errors. It becomes a little bit more tricky, a lot more tricky. So uh, let's talk about that. One of the things that comes to my mind is our personal relationships. Again, we're, we're trying to find degrees of separation from this. So I'm sticking with self first and then the first uh, uh, degree of separation from self. Now, the That's first right. degree of separation are our close relationships, such as, such as friends or, or, uh, or partners, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. Um, so when it comes to that, I uh, think this is, this is my thinking, my philosophy, and I believe you share this to a degree at least, and that is uh, there's a, a short amount of time in our lives, and we want to dedicate that amount of time and energy to people who are truly close to us and truly care about us and are truly helping us towards our goals, not pushing us away from it. So um, and I, I believe, again, I heard you say this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you do have the tendency to uh, uh, examine the relationships, uh, correct them. If, the, if they're not uh, changed and they're not useful and they're not helpful, they can be eliminated. That's exactly how you, so they're, the, the relationships are not never permanent. They, they have to be well, again, the word, word never is, I think, very wrong here because the sure. world is always changing. And a relationship right. of any kind, whether it is with someone that you love, with someone that you sleep with, with somebody that you're working with, or just you know, a, a random stranger, uh, it's a, an organism that is evolving and growing. And just like all organisms, if it's not taken care of, it'll die. And it's quite right. normal, basically. So exactly. that's the case. In that case, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. So this is my question. So do you have this, um, the same self-correction mechanism for also your relationships? Are you trying to reward And how do you judge the good and bad behavior? Very nice. Well, first of all, as you know me, just like my uh, you know, general philosophy in life is that the North uh, basically star for all of us should be happiness, genuine happiness, because it's you know, different from you know, different people. Uh, when it comes to relationships, my North star is actually win-win. I really believe in that because I think win-win is the most sustainable, the most fulfilling, 
and the most rewarding experience you can have in all relationships. Why is this? Because some say that you should just be a nice person, just be a nice guy, be nice to everybody. I think that's just a wrong approach towards life because being nice in many cases means that you are not nice to yourself. So you are a martyr. You're just sacrificing yourself and letting people just you know, walk all over you. I, I think that's just on the extreme side of weakness. And then we have the selfish. It's all about me, 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 baby. It's all me. Get the hell out of here. I don't care. That itself is wrong for two reasons. Number one, basically, when you act in a selfish manner, you are telling the whole world that I just want to get what I want. And others will say, well, I want to get what I want too, but I can't be with you. So this creates conflicts. And if you look at uh, leaders throughout the world who are more on the egotistic side, you see that they have a lot of problems with everybody because they don't understand the basic fundamental of a relationship, which is win-win. One comes so to mind. Any, any, exactly. Any relationship, whether it is in business, whether it's in personal life, whether it's you know, uh, with a romantic uh, partner, it's two people or more coming together in a group of people. It could be made of two, could be made of a, an organization or a whole nation. And they go towards a common goal. And in their interaction with each other, they will achieve their goals. Uh, and this allows both sides to benefit from this. Now, Obviously, when you're in a relationship, you cannot always get what you want because it's called win-win. So both sides, they tend to make some compromises for the sake of the greater good and for having that win-win dynamics. Because a selfish person is basically like this. A selfish attitude towards a relationship is, it's all about me. I don't give a damn what you want. So this creates, this it takes about that, you know, win-win dynamics. So in this situation, basically, you are, uh, you only think about yourself without you know, thinking about the other person. And this shifts the dynamic towards win-lose. And the person who's at the losing end is not gonna be interested to actually keep up with what's the point. And you will lose friends, you will lose contacts and, also, and, so, and so on and so forth. But when it comes to win-win, it's sustainable. So because of this, I believe that when it comes to your relationships, knowing what is right or wrong, again, it goes down to your goals and to your values. But in a relationship, it's not just about you. It's also about the other side. Could be one person or could be a whole nation. And that is, uh, I want to achieve my goals, whatever it is. And I want to help others achieve their goals in the process so that we both can actually get what we, what we want. And whatever prevents, just, just like, you know, personal affair, whatever prevents you from obtaining the goal or maintaining your values because of the other person is then a behavior that will take away your wins. And because of this should be uh, basically changed. Now, yeah. punishment occurs when uh, you realize that you cannot talk it out. Again, for me, punishment is usually the last stage in a relationship. So when it comes to myself, because I can, I can use discipline, it's usually the first thing. But when it comes to other relationships, I have to go a little bit easier on them because they might not be as, let's say, crazy as I am to just you know, change right away. So because of this, this, this comes to a dialogue where you explain the reasons as to why this behavior, which is why I believe that we should all share our rules to the world around us. So maybe you have a rule that says you must always be on time or you must always listen to me when I'm, for example, down or you must, for example, call me this number of times per day for me to feel loved. Or you must actually send me the, you know, the, the payments or receipts as early as possible, whether it's like in a business situation, right? So we all have these rules. But unfortunately, because we've been grown up in a society of nice people and nice people thinking, we sometimes are afraid to actually let a person know about their behavior. 
So what do we do instead? We do what, what, what the worst thing is called passive aggressive. So for example, I'm upset because of certain behavior of my friend, my girlfriend, my, I don't know, uh, business partner, whatever it is. And uh, uh, when, when a person talks to me, I don't say, excuse me, sir, madam, honey, whatever it is. I feel really upset that you did this and this and this. Of course, I really love the fact that you are doing this and this for me, but I, I feel like if we want to improve our relationship, we have to just remove this part. Most of us, we don't say that. So instead, what do we do? We just shut out of the whole thing. So just, we just shut off. So like, honey, what's up? Oh, nothing. So we call this passive aggressive. Passive aggressive is when you show passivity, but in fact, it's an aggressive behavior to show your disinterest in the person or your problems. And this is a poison to all relationships. I've never seen relationships that can last for a long time that have passive aggressive elements. Instead, what I have seen instead, whether it's in business, between clients and salespeople, or in personal relationships, or even in politics, is when the other side is told what is missing directly. Now, this is this can involve short-term pain, but it has long-term gain. So most people do the exact opposite. They go for the short-term gain of not having to face the music and tell the other side that, listen, this behavior is wrong. But at the long term, this will cost them the relationship because the other person doesn't know what their rules are. So the behavior gets repeated. This uh, creates distance and eventually the relationship dies. And because of this, I believe that the first step, whenever you feel that somebody else is uh, perhaps undermining your values or preventing you from achieving your goals is to let them know, honey, sir, uh, for example, Mr. President, whatever it is, we have this issue. We have this problem and this is causing us this. I would really appreciate if we could actually you know, change this behavior. Now the other person knows what your rules are. Now, let's be honest. Is it everything? I mean, just you tell the guy, no, uh, the guy knows what your rules are and that's over? Probably not. And in many cases, yes, people listen and everything is resolved. But in some cases, the behavior tends to somehow continue. And in that case, of course, you gradually move on to what we call punishment behaviors, which we use in management, for example, where you gradually reduce your investment in a relationship and the value you offer to that relationship gradually to let the person know that you're actually off. Because now the person knows. And if this time you punish them by removing your investment, by texting less often or sending fewer gifts or not attending, for example, I don't know, her father's, for example, a birthday, whatever, why, why these little things, the person knows why you're doing that. And this could actually reinforce and bring the person back uh, to change the behavior. Now, then again, as you mentioned yourself, sometimes you let them know what the rules are, you show that you're walking away a little bit and things still aren't changing. In that case, again, like all things, whether it's in business, personal life, you need to leave the relationship because not all relationships are meant to last forever. And failure of a relationship is never something that only one person can be responsible for. So whether it's a divorce, whether it's the end of a business partnership, whether it's a loss of voters and being removed from a political party, whenever a relationship fails, it is the failure of both sides. So both sides are responsible. So one person cannot take all the responsibility of a relationship, which means because that's, that's why a lot of people avoid it. A lot of people avoid leaving bad relationships that are, cold, uh, from my point of view, that are told that they are very cold and unemotional just because uh, they are actually uh, afraid of leaving and feeling bad about themselves. So when a relationship is actually very cold, for example, and there's no passion, there's no romance in it for a long time, 
So most couples say, if I get a divorce right now, then I am a failure. And they take full responsibility. But a relationship is a responsibility of all its members. So if it's a marriage, it's for two people and possibly their children. If it's, for example, an organization, it's all the staff involved, you see. And because of this, people should not feel extremely worried that, oh my gosh, I'm now living this relationship, so I have done something wrong. No. Leaving any relationship is your right and probably a responsibility if you are somebody who cares about your goals, if you realize the other person is not keeping up because it's cooperation. So that victim mentality or heroism are basically the response here. So some people feel like victims in a bad relationship and they stay there because they're victims. Some feel like a hero who have to just save the world and save this lost soul of a man or a woman or a child or whatever it is. And this ultimately prevents from having a happy life because they're in a bad relationship. Because a functioning relationship is cooperative in nature. It is not combative. You're not fighting all the time. You're not sending messages, oh, listen, do this. It's not passive and it's not competitive. You see, because we have four approaches in our relationships. Passive, combative, uh, competitive, and cooperative. These three will lead to nowhere. The last one will always work, right? So run and ask yourself in your relationship, whether it's with your uh, cup, uh, let's say your partner, if you're a couple, whether it's with your friends, whether it's your business partners, is it a passive relationship where I just let the guy walk out and tell me whatever they say? That's, there's a problem here. You can't just be the passive member here. You gotta change that. Is this a combative relationship? Always fighting, listen, you never listen to me. No, you listen to me like this, is this combative? How about competitive? Oh, I'm better than you at this and this. No, I'm better than you at this and this. No, let me do this myself. This is also very common among couples and of course in business. Or it's the real relationship that we call cooperative. It's a cooperative you know, effort, which is why when a relationship fails, all members should be taking responsibility for this and not just the, the person that is walking away. And once you understand this about cooperation, then leaving a bad relationship will not feel so bad after all, because you know this other person did not follow with their commitments. So if, a, a, I don't know, if a bank forecloses a house because the, uh, the members did not you know, make the payments, is it the bank's fault? Of course not, it's both sides' fault. The bank is uh, basically uh, made, made a huge mistake of giving a loan to a guy with a bad credit, and the guy, of course, who did not make the mortgage payments is responsible for not making you know, the payments, right? This applies to real estate, for example, and credit and all the finance history. The same thing applies to everything else in life, in relationships. So because of this, I believe it's actually okay to leave bad relationships after first repeated um, uh, warnings and telling what your rules are, and secondly, by implementing some you know, punishments, and if none of them work, then of course, you have no choice but to actually leave the relationship. Well, that's great. Uh, it makes a lot of sense, and it seems that it's quite similar um, whether that relationship is to a close friend or a partner or to a business partner. Uh, it seems that there, there are many, many, many similarities here. Uh, do you see any differences between uh, closer personal relationships versus business relationships? Is there any difference? Well, again, uh, because the closer the relationship is, the more the element of understanding, empathy, and emotion should be involved. So mm -hmm. in a business relationship, generally, you're not as emotionally invested, which means your level of tolerance and your threshold of tolerance is much less. Whereas if you're with, I don't know, your wife or husband that you've lived together for the past 20 years, that's a very different dynamic. However, 
this rule applies to everything with the exception of the resources that you are willing to put in the relationship. So in a, with a client you just met and you're just negotiating right now, maybe one bad behavior is enough to end the whole thing and never see the guy again because you just met the guy. But with, I don't know, somebody that you've raised a family with, you're probably going to be a lot more, uh, for example, uh, uh, you know, empathic. With your best friend of 20 years, you're probably going to be a lot more empathic, right? So right. the degree here is just about the, the amount of investment, history, and the emotional, uh, basically, component of that relationship. So the, the closer that was to you, then the more valuable it is, of course, the more you tend to be uh, somehow, uh, let's say, investing in uh, instructions, like, don't do this. It's hurting me, all those things, right? So you tolerate the situation a little bit longer and you are more willing uh, to spare more of these warning signs and you fade out of the relationship much more slowly. So in a, you know, with a guy you just met, you could just cut it off immediately after one wrong behavior and, like, and you never see the guy ever again, right? But with a, let's say, a very best friend, this could take a gradual step, basically, right? Where both sides, and of course, uh, generally because of this, so the longer the relationship has gone, usually uh, the easier it is to get back and change the behavior because that you know, gradual fading out will eventually make uh, the other sides to change our behavior. And this allows the relationship to actually become stronger again because it's history. It has a long history. So the, the, you know, the, the strategy is the same, but the amount of investment and your threshold for tolerating the thing uh, will, of course, be different. And the more uh, basically invested you are in the relationship, the longer it has been, of course, the, the longer this whole process will last before it ends. Right, fair enough. That makes a lot of sense. Now, we're basically coming to the end of the show. So I wonder if there's anything uh, we haven't talked about you want to talk about, or is there a summary you want to give? Please. That's right. Well, first of all, I'm going to thank you for uh, this great show. Of course, it's our, one of our first uh, uh, shows we actually fully recorded with video, and it's pretty great. So I want to thank you for the topic. Today, we talked a lot about the issue okay. of punishing bad behaviors, not just for others, but also for ourselves. And we talked about the importance of knowing what is right or wrong. And not in a philosophical sense, not in a religious sense, but in a practical sense. And that is basically, uh, I have a goal, that is what I want to achieve, and I have a value, that is why is, why is, is that goal important? And we decide uh, that uh, if this is the right thing for me, I will uh, then keep doing it. And we said that our North Star in life should be to attain those goals while maintaining our values. And that oftentimes uh, uh, leads uh, to cer certain conflicts. It's quite normal because people are going different directions. And when that happens, we use the methods of punishments, both for our own behaviors and that of others. And we also talked about uh, how to deal with others uh, when they're doing things that are against that. And of course, realize that the right approach here is uh, to somehow give these guys some hints. Let them know what your rules are. If you don't like a certain behavior, tell it directly. Yes, you can simply ignore and not tell the person. It's a lot easier to, uh, to say like, listen, Dan, I really don't like it, for example, when you're like this, for example. Let's say one of my best friends is like, listen, Dan, I very much prefer my best friend to tell me, uh, or let's say my business partner, or let's say uh, uh, my girlfriend or whatever, to tell me this is what I don't like about this behavior. Because now we can talk about it. We can negotiate and explain. But the worst thing that people do oftentimes is passive aggressive. So they take a passive aggressive stance that is they remain passive while being actually aggressive, which then poisons the relationship and reduces its quality and longevity. So the best approach instead is to actually face the music and stop being a nice person and be a genuinely caring, loving person. And instead tell the person that, listen, honey, listen, my man, listen, for example, uh, Mr. Client, Mr. Uh, basically uh, prospective customer, 
this behavior is wrong, or at least for me. And here's the reason why that I'm telling you this, and I would really hope that it could do it this way. It'll be a lot better. Offer the solution. Don't just, you know, criticize. Offer a solution. I would be much happier if you could do this instead. And if those, of course, are ignored, you then move on to punishment. And ultimately, there are various ways to punish, but it's nothing more than either removing your investment in the relationship, spending less time, offering less bonuses if you're, you know, let's say uh, an employer, or less salary. Uh, and these are the things you do to let person know that they are on the wrong path. And of course, if uh, despite your warnings and punishments, the behavior is not changed, not every relationship is meant to last forever. And if it ends, it's not your fault because a relationship is basically a uh, cooperative affair. So all members are responsible for that failure. And of course, they will take the blame for it as well. And this allows you to have ultimately much better lasting relationship. And of course, to enjoy them as well and achieve happiness and success, which we all desire. Excellent. Now, that brings me to actually one final question. And sure. uh, that is when we are the recipient of such <clears throat> warnings or uh, criticisms, uh, how, right. would we, how would we and should we behave? Uh, whether that criticism is acceptable to us or perhaps not, could be realistic or acceptable or not. Can you, well, maybe uh, the other person's that? attempted punishment actually goes against your value. Maybe because you see, that's why I like a constructive dialogue. Maybe, for example, the person wants you to do something and that doing that thing, I mean, they are now they're punishing you for it, but doing that thing goes against your values. So yeah. in this case, you need to return the favor of extending the dialogue and letting them know why the behavior has to continue. Now you have a chance to what we call negotiate, okay? That's, that's like a normal behavior in business. We don't do this actually in our normal day-to-day lives. So right. uh, the person says, you should do X. And they say, I really appreciate what you're saying, and I know, but... If I do X, then I can't do Y. And then we should find a way to do Z that allows us to do, uh, you know, to get a little bit, it's called the compromise. That's when you reach a compromise. So this guy gets a little bit less of what he wants, you get a little bit less of what you want, but the relationship actually continues, right? So not every person who tells you their rules is necessarily right because maybe their rules goes against your rules. So in that case, as a recipient, it is also your responsibility to extend the dialogue and to tell them that, listen, I appreciate Now, sometimes they tell you something that is actually okay. Like, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you should simply change your behavior. But sometimes they say things that are not uh, basically according to your vows, or they actually downright uh, undermine them. Mm-hmm. So in that case, it is your responsibility, again, not to get, so what do most people do in that case? They get passionate, like, oh, you don't love me. There are couples. Or, oh, you're always like this. Or you're a dictator or something like this, right? <laughs> so instead of being passive aggressive or simply ignoring, something like they just shut off. It's like, this is my rule. It should not be like, it's like, yeah, whatever. And they just shut off, right? That's also passive aggressive. So instead, you want to be more active and say, honey, sir, my man, whatever it is, I know that this is your rule and I know that you're upset, but at the same time, here's the reason why I do it. And if I really want to continue it, I can't do exactly what you want me. So I, we have to find a way. And you start talking. And this dialogue is exactly what we call a cooperative relationship. So it's not combative, fighting, it's not passive, like, oh, shit, okay, let's just put up with the boss's orders. And it's not competitive. Who do you think you are to tell me what I know, what I, like, these are all wrong approaches. And so it becomes cooperative and a lot more win-win. Thank you, Dan, for your time and efforts. My pleasure, buddy. And thank you all for listening, tuning in, uh, talking to us, uh, giving us suggestions, um, giving us feedbacks. So that's uh, all appreciated. <clears throat> Please uh, keep them coming. And until a later episode, have a good evening.